Ladies and gentlemen. Starring Mike Murray and Nicole Rovine. This is SNL. SNL. By the numbers. 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 Hello and welcome everyone to By the Numbers SNL Season 48, Episode 2. My name is Nicole Rovine, and I am joined by our stats guru, Mike Murray. We are a dynamic duo today. It is just the two of us, and we're going to do this. We're going to do it. How are you, Mike? I'm doing great. Had a great uh, long weekend up in New Hampshire. I uh, just watched the episode last night, did the stats. I don't think I've ever watched an episode for the first time and done stats at the same time, but it was funny because I just like, you know, pick pick a character you know, run with them, rewind, you know, that was, it was kind of a funny yeah. process, but yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Um, how are you cool. doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. I, I like this weather we're in. I, I love October. I think September might be my favorite month, but I love October. Um, I've been on the topic of stats, my office. I, I use this obsessive transportation Excel model that I'm building where I track every element of my journey to and from work. So I track how long it takes me to walk from the subway. I track how long it takes me, whether I take one subway route or another subway route. And then I calculate the standard deviation of each part of it and, you know, which which elements can I optimize more effectively and all that stuff. And it's kind of amazing. And I feel like I, amazing in the sense of crazy and, and actually a huge waste of time, but it's fun. It's like my break, you know, it feels like a, just a stress relief to be like, plugging numbers obsessively and you know that's what we're here for yeah that's what people don't realize about the uh the spreadsheets is like it's actually really relaxing it's like not a ton of work yeah, it is it becomes your, your more brain so, feels yeah. happy and it's so satisfying too because if there's something i don't know how to do when i'm trying to build an unnecessarily complicated excel model there's always a way to do whatever it is you want to do even if it's something you've never seen done before you can always figure it out or research it or read it I feel like Reddit is amazing for Excel. People are so generous too. You know, this is very besides the point, but that's just what I've been up to is, is my massive Excel model for my transportation and optimizing my life because I am very busy as we all are. Mike is far busier than I am though. You're very busy. Well, we always so, say in our uh, group chats, uh, yeah. all data is good data. And I think oh, that's so a true. pretty uh, good model for this show because some, you know, some data is more fun than others, but all data can be used. No, it's so true because, I mean, every element of this transportation spreadsheet, I can find a way to blow it up and make it really cool and, and have meaning and value. So it's so cool. It's so true. Anyways, so we're here for episode two. We have a lot to talk about from comparing the premiere with Miles Teller and Kendrick Lamar to episode two of the season with Brendan Gleeson and Willow. It was a really fun episode. A lot happened. A lot happened on the internet after the fact. It was a frenzy of an episode, but we are gonna kind of wash that away a little bit here and we, well, we're we gonna do what we do best and really boil it down to the numbers and see what the numbers say and then you know make our calls from there based on that. So what would be your, your kind of hot take from episode two from a numbers perspective and from an all-encompassing perspective? 
I think one thing that stood out to me, which was a benefit because I had a short window to get these stats done, was uh, it was like the episode had a lot of open space in it. And I was looking at previous episodes, like because if, if I take all the screen time that I collect for our show and I add them all together, it's kind of like how much time is a person on the screen, right? So if you have three people on the screen at the same time, like those will all be concurrent numbers running together. And uh, it, it reminded me, that not the episode itself, but the data point of view. Uh, the last episode that was this low was the Will Forte episode, which was like a pretty weird vibe episode. This one felt a lot more fun, but that was an episode that had like a lot of room in it, like fewer people in sketches, and um, it, it made my job way easier. Um, so I see a question um, in the chat about if it positively or adversely affected my enjoyment. I mean, I was pretty just focused on getting it done, but it, it was, you know, Usually when I do the stats, I've already seen the episode, so I know like everything that's coming. So it was kind of fun to laugh along with my stopwatch. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at that episode. Also, I love seeing Irish host. Need more Irish hosts. Yeah. That, that representation. Yeah. yeah that, that's I like so to see true. representation. I like yep. to hear that familiar accent. Oh, yeah. Yep. I agree. I think if there were an episode that we could all join forces and write a PhD on, a dissertation on, uh, that would be the word I was looking for, or like any sort of massive, massive project of taking one episode and turning it into a whole thing, I think the Will Forte one might be the, the one because of all of the insanity around just the numbers of it. Because a point that was made I believe it was John who said this back a few months ago when the, the episode aired, but probably 80% of that episode, you could isolate sketches and say this could have happened 12 years ago and no one in this sketch wasn't around 12 years ago, or this sketch would happen right now and no one who was on the show 12 years ago is on it. And it was so split like that and it was just fascinating to to analyze i feel like that's one what we love to come back to to, to right. reference it's i wouldn't fun. mind uh, oral history on that episode from the people who were there um just because i mm -hmm. you know was it like a negative atmosphere or was it really fun and they just were going for something that didn't play to the live audience but yeah just for context uh last week's mile teller episode if you add up everyone's screen time the whole episode and that's like two hours two minutes where this episode was like an hour 38. Um, so a pretty big drop off, but I was going back through last season and it's like, they're all around two hours, hour 45, except that Will Forte one, which is an hour and a half. So like, that's a lot less bodies on screen and more, you know, less people coming in and out. Yeah, and you know what I noticed this week, which we'll get into as I was making the chart from your data is the pre-tapes had that vibe. The pre-tapes both had very few people this week. There are two pre-tapes that went to the live show and they both had very few people, which was, it was kind of cool because it, I feel like each one really cultivated its own vibe in that sort of way, which I liked. But I think let's just dive into it and we'll talk about how all of these, these, you know, comments we're making, how they actually play into the data. So yeah, let's we, do the screen time. Um, do you have the results of our poll? I do. I will kind of get into that as we go. So we're going to talk about how many people said who they thought would have the most screen time this week. And it was interesting. So we had a lot of different kind of guesses. We had a lot of, a lot of people said Heidi, a lot of people said Bowen. And this again is excluding the host because we have to exclude the host knowing that the host 
pretty much always, always gets the most screen time. So, so yeah, we had Heidi, Bowen. Let me pull this up and I will be more exact for you. Uh, was anyone that you <laughs> thought when you watched was on the screen the most? Like, did you have a take? Yeah, I thought Heidi actually. And spoiler alert, I was incorrect. Um, but I felt like Heidi was really had a really strong screen presence this week and especially compared to last week where I felt like she was more of a utility player this week I feel like her roles were more they popped more so I I thought Heidi and I was I was wrong yeah I guess I was gonna my guess would have been Colin Jost um first time through without looking at the totals just because that was only it wasn't as long update as last week with the three spots but it was a pretty heavy Jost episode most episode most time for Jost since like mid of last season um sorry most screen time for joe's so i would have guessed him but actually someone did pass him or maybe a few you want to read this one out as i put it up all right here we go season 48 episode two screen time um brendan gleason with 21 minutes 22 seconds which is uh i think a little higher than i would have guessed bowen yang with a career high snl screen time for his his career that is nine minutes 43 seconds so Last week, I mentioned uh, that Nicole had texted right after the episode, like, that's going to be a career high for Bowen. And I think everyone agreed, like, he just seemed like he was all over the place last week. And I was like, oh, it's like ended up being his fourth, whatever. This week, you know, we'll get into it with the power rankings. But like, and I, it didn't seem like that, but it shows the power of the cold open. Colin Jost, number two um, for cast, that is seven minutes, seven seconds. Ego Wodum after him, 6.51. Ismukes, 6.15. Mikey Day. Six minutes, two seconds. Chloe Feynman, five minutes, 31. Willow, the musical guest, five and a half minutes. Sarah Sherman, four minutes, 34. Heidi Gardner, four minutes, five. Marcelo, with obviously his career high as well, episode two of his career, three minutes, 58 seconds. Michael Longfellow, three minutes, eight. Keenan, 243. Guest, Colin Farrell, 237. Molly Kearney, 218. Devin Walker, 210. Michael Che with a low 148 in contrast to Joe's 77. JAJ at 140. And then Martin Hurley, 134. John and Ben from PDD, 131 each. Steve Higgins, 19 seconds. And Punky Johnson at nine seconds. What do you think, Nicole? First of all, yeah, Bowen career high is huge. To think that last episode was his almost his career high. I guess now that episode has been bumped down to his fourth career high episode because last week was his third. So now this one is, is it? I just feel like he's on the rise. I feel like he could hypothetically break this record every week. I feel like there's no, there's no reason he, he won't do that, which, which I'm excited about always. So that's great to see. I mean, of course, Punky is unfortunate to see. I, I wish that she had gotten more screen time, especially since it was such an amazing episode for all four rookies. I feel like it was really, other than Punky, it felt like one of the more equitable episodes in recent memory, honestly. So so for one person to kind of stand out in that way was not great. I I, I didn't love that. But, um, and then of yeah, course, for Steve Punky uh, and her short SNL career so far, um, she's had 12 episodes with 12 seconds or less. A lot of those were shutouts, but... If you don't include those as four, that's been 12 or less. So it was a little sad when you're in the building and you're at the, you know, you're there all week and then it's like, yeah, quick moment. But contrast, you, nine seconds of screen time, but you get to stay live from, live from New York in that nine seconds, which is fun. 
That's true. It was a very optimized nine seconds, I suppose. But yeah, also just for anyone tuning in for the first time, or if you have had this question and we haven't addressed it, Steve Higgins does voiceovers pretty much every episode. He does it for pre-tapes. He does it for live sketches. He does it for cold opens. He is low-key, like, all over the episode. Usually, I'd say his average is about two appearances per per show, right, Mike? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, one yeah. or two an episode. Like, yeah. It's rare that Steve Higgins does not speak during a show. Exactly. And in this case, his his son had more screen time than him, but they are both on the board. That's the the only father-son duo on the board. Although Brendan Gleeson and his son, I feel, perhaps almost made the board. His son was in the building, but he was not in the show. But he was speaking in the of, I believe he was in the building, yeah. Yeah, did he I mention did he mention him in the monologue? I don't think so. I I don't think he did. Maybe maybe he mentioned it briefly, but Maybe if Brendan Gleeson was a musical musical guest, his son would have introed him. Yeah, that would have been cute. Yeah, but on more, topic you know, of... If we needed more mandolin tuning involved. Right. Yes, yes. But so on the topic of cameos, I'll just point out Colin Farrell had definitely one of the strongest, I mean, as far as non-former cast member cameos, like when Kristen Wiig came in for the Forte episode, she was all over the map. But I feel like as far as, you know, he's a one-time host. He hosted many years ago almost two decades ago and he was in two he had two sketch appearances in the cold open and in a sketch and in the headshot sketch and I think he was really memorable in both and he he is I mean to be right behind Keenan Thompson on the on the board like you have to be doing great you know so that was that was cool I feel like he he kind of left something to be desired though and a lot of people were saying online that they want him to host again and it's always fun. I, I think cameos in that type of instance, it is sort of like an audition to host again. You create a lot of buzz. It's it's fun to to hear that. And so maybe some, another like analysis we'll do is tracking hosts who had recent cameos on the show and seeing how they performed in that cameo just by the numbers. So like, is it really common that the more screen time someone had in their cameo were they more likely statistically to then host somewhere between three and 12 months later? Whereas maybe there's, there isn't a correlation. Maybe people who have two seconds of a cameo are equally as likely to host within the year. Yeah. There's a correlation for sure about like popping up in the show and then getting invited back to host. I mean, with like a Colin Farrell or Peyton Manning, like they hosted a long time ago and then come back. So they're like, you know, they're friends of the show already. But even with like Megan the Stallion pops up in a sketch and now we're going to see here this week, um, you know, like Jason Momoa, like he popped up in the Chance the Rapper episode, like things like that. And then, the, you know, you host pretty soon after that where Timothy Chalamet hosting and then being like right back for the Carrie Mulligan Kid Cudi episode. Yeah. Also, Timothy is such an interesting example because he is referenced so much on the show. There was one episode last spring where his name was said four different times, I think, in the episode. And he was not on yeah, it. We, it was... we were compiling a, a Timothy Chalamet. I was <laughs> like, I think it's like Donald Trump, Elon Musk, and Timothy Chalamet of the most name drops of the COVID era on SNL, um, yeah, which is it was, strange. It was strange, but it was so funny. And... He's also a friend of Baby Yoda's, so that's why he was mentioned there. <laughs> He's in exactly. his uh, his posse. Exactly. All right. Anything else you want to point out from here before we move on to the next thing? Um, just that it was a, a rare low Keenan night. Um, so whether that, I don't know if people missed Keenan or 
he had enough sprinkled in there. I mean, he had the button on the uh, rookie pre-tape, which was fun. And he kind of had a quick punchline in the uh, Sarah sketch at the end of the night. So, like, Keenan definitely had his little moments. So, maybe he didn't feel like he wasn't there much. But that's definitely uh, low for Keenan. I had in my notes, that's the lowest screen time total since early last year for screen, for uh, Keenan. I feel like he was as present to me as a viewer. I feel like he left as much of an impact as the, the week prior, which which is interesting because he, he did have more of those quick, seen steely moments this episode whereas I guess he just had more pure screen time last episode he was in the kind of the heart and the the like the gut of of a sketch more often but I feel like I like when Keenan is utilized more in this way where he like comes in at the end of a sketch and he you know that's so Keenan to me so I I mean he's lower on the leaderboard but I feel like he left as much of an impact what do you think yeah I feel like Keenan's like the panic button. I mean, I think even writers have said that, like, when in doubt, like, cut to a Keenan shot just because it might be a cheap laugh, but it's a, it's a, it's a solid expected laugh. And, like, you know, you can't go wrong. But yeah, he had 11.13 last week and now 2.43. So that's definitely the biggest drop off, you know, either way for a cast member. But yeah, I, I agree, though. I mean, we mentioned last week on the show that Keenan was not in the cold open last week. And that was even joked about. So it's like, usually if you you lead the cast in screen time, it means that you had a good cold open. Look at Bowen here. You know, had had just one, you know, one sketch that had a ton of time. So it was funny to have Keenan not there and lead. Um, but yeah, let's move on to power ranking, which is, uh, well, you pull it up. So now we have two episodes to go on. So power ranking is a cumulative thing, not just one show. So we just average it every week to see. That's why it's called a power ranking, because they move up and down week to week. And just for some context, as we're early on in the season, I threw in um, last season's first two episodes, just so you could see how different it is. And uh, yeah, Nicole, I guess I'll let you, you know, what your opinions are on on uh, the difference, but then we'll get into the actual numbers. Yeah. So, so just to confirm, the number this is the first how many episodes of each season? Two. The first two, exactly. Okay. So, the thing that that sticks out is JJ's premiere episode last year was like from a from a power rankings perspective with all that time in the cold open like unbelievable so doesn't surprise me to see that the the combination of them the average he is still you know ways ahead of these people who've been there for so many years like to see ad bryant two two below him and cecily and pete and all these people are like a solid couple points behind this guy who has been there for two weeks was like one of the most interesting data moments in the show's history for yeah, sure. So his, uh, his career high to this day is his, his debut. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Which is I mean, a stat that, you know, like you look at, you know, we talk about rookies last week, but like you look at a Luke Null who gets zero seconds in his debut and JJ has never had a better episode. Right. Yeah. That's very true. So that, I mean, completely stands out. Also, I mean, okay, something I have to point out that I'm not loving about 48 is the the, the gender disparity. I the, the, the top four are all men, all great people, all people I love to see at the top. But I do feel, especially with two men back-to-back hosts, and we've done a lot of analyses of how having a male host impacts, you know, women's time and, and all that stuff and how women hosts impact men's time. 
but you know, I, I don't love that. I hope that with Meg Thee Stallion, we get, you know, Heidi, I feel like could, if she moves up a few points, she could get into that top three, top four, Chloe too, Ego. I mean, they're, they're all pretty close up there. That's what stands out to me is I really want to see some more women this season. I, I think it's, yeah. So those, those are just a few things that, that stand out to me. You want to read for our audio listeners? Do you want to read out? Do you want to read out forty-seven, and then I'll read out forty-eight? I think we can just read out forty-eight. Um, if you have sure. any, you know, differences you want to point out, then do that. But uh, with forty-eight, um, Bowen's at the top of the cast again. This is two episode average. We have Bowen Yang about one thirty-one, Keenan one hundred eight, Mikey Day one hundred two, Andrew ninety-six, Heidi ninety-one point five. Chloe, about 90, Ego, 88, Colin, 79, JJ, 60, Michael Longfellow, 58.6, Michael Che, 54.5, Sarah, 44.6, Marcelo, 42.3, Devin, 33.2, Punky, about 31, and Molly, about 28. And just as a reminder, this stat, this number that I just read out is a combo of appearances and screen time that are weighted together in a big math equation that produces one number so we don't have to have the deceptive screen time number always dominate who hosts weekend update or who's in the cold open it takes into consideration recurring roles and saying live from new york and when you appear in SNL, all that stuff so that's what the number means so uh, i think for me standing out is that bowen had a really slow start last year um for a 30-year cast member he's was at a 9.25 at this time last year and now he's like couldn't be higher he's 22 points ahead of keenan so that's the most standout what do you think nicole yeah i mean it's crazy to think that he he didn't have a a lot of momentum right at the beginning of last season especially coming off of his prior spring because that's when the iceberg debuted and i know i talked last week about how i liked to not talk so much about the iceberg but i do think that given that was really the moment that put him on the map on the show uh, it is surprising that he had a slower start right after that, after the momentum of, of it. So also with the Emmy nomination, he had that last year as well. So it is surprising from the numbers that it it was a slower start. But this year, the same cannot be true at all. He is top of the charts. He's he's like, and, and really a, has a pretty steep, you know, advantage over number two, Mr. Keenan Thompson himself. Yeah, Bowen has about 22 plus points, 22.5 points on on Keenan. So that's one of the bigger, maybe even the biggest jump on this entire, yeah, that's the biggest difference on this entire season 48 episodes one and two cumulative average power rankings is between number one and number two. So Bowen is by by all metrics, you know, combining everything that Mike does, you can really say conclusively that he's the star of the show right now. Yeah. And just for context on last season, he was there both nights. Um, he had a sketch cut with Kim Kardashian that didn't make it to uh, the live show, but uh, he was in the, in the Owen Wilson episode, he was in the school board sketch that everybody was in. Um, and then he was the genie and Jasmine Aladdin, which I think now is a pretty notorious SNL sketch, you know, one of the yes, most watched and most referenced. Um, and that and was that it. So his, uh, he had, yeah. So he had, one, he had one each, um, in those first two. And then he had a, he blew up in the Rami Malik episode with the Oompa Loompa, the mattress store, 
played George, George Takai in uh, the Celeb School game show and played in the Bug Assembly, first of maybe many Bowen Bug appearances. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's where Bowen's at. So I I do like the stats for that reason, just because sometimes you for, you forget. Um, you can't remember every appearance. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have a full list of, of them all, but the stats will tell you like exactly what was going on at that time. And of course, Kate was not in the cast for well, you know seven shows, so until she showed back up. Um, so yeah, I, I guess you can look across from these two charts and try to look if anyone's in the same spot. Do you see anyone that's like in this in a similar spot? I mean, Heidi feels, especially when you take the she's at number five this year and she was at one two three four five six six last year but there were more people last year so she was you know if you kind of average out proportionately i'd say pretty much the same spot so heidi feels around the same which which i guess is surprising because she had an amazing fall compared to her spring in many ways because she did have a lot of the roles that later went to Kate in the spring, which I think is it just did happen. And it was really, she had a lot of momentum. And then I think she is having having that again now. But also the, the stats kind of make it seem like her year last year and her year this year are the same, which is interesting because I guess, I guess they are pretty similar. However, I guess it was just maybe, I think it's popping in a different way this year as it did last year. Like, I feel like the the comparison of oh it, it feels kind of more specific was more last year or like certain people aren't here whereas now it feels like oh it's a new era oh Heidi is stepping into you know being one of the senior cast members being one of the stars of the show and this is something that is going to become a truth and, and, a, and a norm so I feel like I feel like she has more momentum that is going upward this this season because that's the direction it's heading in whereas last year was a little bit more like in limbo but yeah i mean her her season 47 at this time as of two episodes was 69.37 and again she was in one two three four five sixth place on a bigger cast last year and then this year she's at 91.50 and that's fifth place so higher but it should also be noted that all of these are way higher this year like everyone has a higher power ranking so jaj his power ranking last year at the top of the chart was 81.43. Bowen this year at the top is 130.65. And then even again, Keenan at number two is 108.1 this year. Last year, Ego was number two and she was 77.99. So truly like it, it feels like everyone is getting more time this year than people got last year, which yeah, what, what do you think about that, Mike, and the reasons behind that? Yeah, that was my last, uh, was going to be my last point before we move on from the, from the power rankings, is uh, that everyone's pretty boosted uh, and on the chart. So if there's any, you know, if, if someone's not high on this season so far, then, you know, please let me know. But, I mean, every year you might have some optimistic energy, but if you're, you know, feeling what they're doing this season and you're, like, feeling good about the cast, I think it's just because they're just, everyone's being used more. It's not as bloated. I mean, the power ranking considers everything from the cast size. So, you know, you can go back to season one with seven cast members and the scores will be comparable to today, even if with 21 cast members last year. But yeah, they're, they're, they're higher for a reason. I think just you're seeing the usage more. And I mean, thinking about the guests we've had, we just talked about Colin Farrell last week with Miles Teller. We're not, we're not, we're not seeing, the, you know, long political cold openings that have 
guest stars in them that SNL was, you know, pretty derided for in the Alec Baldwin Trump era. So that will definitely be a part of it. Maybe we'll see the scores go down when the as the midterm shows up and we have longer cold opens and longer weekend updates. But we're yeah, we're seeing more sketches and more cast usage um, for longer periods of time. So yeah, I think we yeah. should uh, move on and talk yeah. about one, yeah. one of my favorite topics that we we never talk about. So a lot of times, because we're talking about screen time and power rankings on the show every week, and for three seasons now, we're always talking about the, how the cold open works and how it's such a huge part of SNL history and a way to become a star. Like Kate McKinnon was like a huge cold open star and Beck Bennett and now J.A.J. is. Um, we'll talk about maybe that more a little later. But one cool thing about SNL is like the terminology of the the cold opening and the monologue and the first sketch and we can update. And then I love the colloquialism of the 10 to one. And uh, so the 10 to one, I just define for this metric as a live sketch that serves as the final segment of the show. So it's called 10 to one because it usually airs between 1250 and one. And then followed by the good nights. So I was like, I want to look at all the 10 to ones we've seen. Over the past few years, I, I capped it at the last 65 episodes. I mean, I also have to get a big sample size. So over the last 65 episodes, we've had 42 10 to 1 sketches. You know, we don't always get one. Sometimes I'm with a musical performance or a pre-tape. That could depend on wardrobe. It could depend on the what gets cut. But 10 to 1s also are kind of notorious for being goofy, for showcasing some humor that might not be for everyone, which is why I think they're fun to talk about. And I thought with that difference in humor that also could illustrate maybe difference in kind of like an alt comedy a little bit in the cast. Like maybe Kate McKinnon wouldn't be in the cold open. I mean, sorry, wouldn't be in the 10 ones as much of the cold opens, but someone else will. So what I did was take their screen time over the last 65 episodes and then how much of that screen time was had occurred during the 10, a 10 to 1 sketch and what percentage that is. So you want to read off the uh, results at least a little bit, maybe like the top five? Yeah, and then which metric? The They're sorted percentage. by their percentage. So okay. obviously, you know, we have like people like Beck who are not in this season or last, but, you know, or but it was in a ton of ton of episodes and a ton of screen time. And then we have, right. I left off the rookies because, you know, it's only, you know, been two episodes. Um, but right. so these are sorted by the highest percentage of their screen time occurring during the 10 to 1 sketch yep okay so as eric said in the chat it, it is a metric designed to put aristotle on top exactly i guess that is if you had said what is a way we can give aristotle some justice a good stat that would make him at the top this is probably the stat that would make that happen i i really thought this this would be the one so i'm gonna read these off so at number one is Aristotle Atari at, again, 10 to 1 percentage, and that is 23.67%. Then we have Sarah Sherman, 18.84%. And we just saw some, uh, some 10 to 1 action from her. So this, uh, you know, th that, was, that was her big moment this past episode. So that feels nice to see it right up there. Then we have Andrew Dismukes, 14.95. Ego Wodum, 11.25. Punky Johnson, 10.56. Heidi Gardner, 9.09. AD Bryant, 8.68. Beck Bennett, 8.55. Melissa Villasenor, 7.38. Keenan Thompson, 7.36. Uh, 
Cecily Strong, 7.02. Lauren Holt, 6.93. Alex Moffitt, 6.34. Chris yeah, we Red, can stop 6- there. That's like halfway, right? Yeah, yeah I, so I, I think. I think. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about those, and then sure. Let's talk about the top. Um, okay. And I also just want to get your take, and also definitely yeah, the yeah. take of the chat on what it means to be like a ten to one icon. Like, what is? <laughs> do you want to be one? You know, like, uh, mm. you know, uh, sometimes people look back so fondly with rose-colored glasses on their favorite cast members because maybe they didn't see it live or they did see it live. It doesn't, like, you know, I just think that that spot is a tough spot to be in, but it also can be the most creative spot. So I feel like Will Forte gets thrown around in that conversation. I was, like, a huge fan of the Falconer, and I feel like, I, I mean, I have to go back and check, but, like, that that's, like, a big 10-to-1 energy for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you're into that type of like comedy, then maybe you gravitate towards that spot. And maybe you're just not going to fit into a political impression and be in the cold open or have enough face recognition like Keenan to pop up in the monologue and like pal around with the host. So, and then yeah, and you have Aristotle, one season wonder, who's literally known for a 10 to 1, which I think everyone knows, you know, save for me, Angela. Angela. Um, yeah. So like literally, so if you look back on his, you know, and it's it's just like it's it's too funny not to say Aristotle's fifteen minutes of fame because he was on SNL for fifteen minutes and thirty eight seconds. Oh wait, that say that yeah. again. That is crazy. Fifteen minutes of fame, that is way too literal. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's like you know, I I hate to say it, but also it's it's too perfect not to say. But so mm-hmm. out of that fifteen minutes and thirty eight seconds of Aristotle's time as a cast member on SNL. Uh, three minutes and 42 seconds of it was appearing uh, in 10 to 1s, which also includes Angelo and the mail-in testing one, his his debut episode, which was with uh, Sarah's debut as well, and uh, briefly in the Kim Kardashian skims um, 10 to 1. And then we yeah. have uh, two people I really want to talk about with you, Nicole, and I want to hear the chats, uh, again, opinions on what it means to be a 10 to 1 king or queen. Uh, 10 to 1 icon is Sarah and Andrew, which I feel like this is a, a, a case of the stats like telling the truest story because they've definitely been in um, some pre-tapes that are memorable. Andrew with the the graduation pre-tape last season with Natasha Leone, and then the, and last season's finale and the one before that with the um, prom picture, like things like that. Maybe Andrew might be known for. Um, and Sarah with her weird pre-tapes like Meatballs and Chucky. But I feel like Andrew and Sarah are like big time, again, 10 to 1 energy. So what do you think, Nicole? Yeah, I mean, I have referenced that sketch many times on this podcast and on this podcast network at large, and I will not stop now. It was so good and so memorable and just so 10 to 1 in, in its spirit and its form. Yeah, I think that just the, the broader question that you brought up of, do you want to be a 10 to 1 icon? Just like we talked last season a lot about, do you want to be a weekend update star of who appears a lot? Like with Heidi, we talked about in two seasons ago, she was on weekend update so much and she had so many memorable characters, a lot of recurring characters, a lot of fresh characters. And then we barely saw her after that in, at the desk, but she had a great season otherwise. So these things are, are interesting. And I think they also can be not necessarily fixed. So like, being a 10 to 1 icon, though, I, I feel like is more of a like a, a personality trait, perhaps, than being a weekend update guest 
icon. I think it says so much about your style of humor and, and about the Will Forte of it all. I will be honest, and I, I think John is, is in the live chat, but he's not with us now, so he can't stop me from saying this. Sorry, John. But when I, I watched SNL when I was younger growing up, and then when I sort of watched it again more earnestly, like, I don't know, five years ago, when I really could say that I, I was watching everything all the time and was really, really in it, and I was sort of going back, I realized that of, of everyone from that era, Will Forte was the one who I could rattle, rattle off like, you know, 20 sketches someone had been in. Like Will Forte was such a blind spot for me. I could not name, and again, now now I can, but like when I was really getting into SNL again as an adult with like this type of knowledge that we have now about it with the stats and the like nitty gritty, like he was such a blind spot for me compared to his contemporaries. And I think it is because he was a 10 to 1 icon. And when I, the the sketches from that era that were more imprinted for me were the cold opens or were the things, I guess, that happened earlier in the night, maybe because I was younger, because those things had a wider reach. And I, when I say because I was younger, maybe I was up, you know, I, I wasn't awake at 12.54 a.m., but I was awake at 11.47. So maybe that played a role in it. But things like that, I, I find interesting, like just the imprinting of my memories. He was so much less a part of what I had thought of of that era than like really anybody else, which which is wild. And he kind of overlaps eras. But I mean, yeah, actually, in both both of the main eras, he overlapped. And I, I feel like he was a big blind spot. And so you kind of I think the Internet now changes things in terms of whether you want to be a 10 to one. I want to we, we should kind of turn that in like 10 to one one con like icon some, something like that we'll, we'll make that a, a term but it's like i feel like history sometimes forgets 10 to 1 icons the internet has helped that because sketches go viral on youtube now more than they used to i guess they've been going viral on youtube for a decade plus now but i think that like any like the the costco sketch from the kim kardashian episode that we referenced earlier that one has taken on such a life of its own online that at this point, it doesn't matter that it didn't make the actual episode. And and that was such a 10 to 1 in its spirit, even though it wasn't in the episode. So I I, I do think, looking at this list, his history forgets 10 to 1 icons sometimes. But with that said, I mean, at the top of this list, again, Aristotle, I think we have yet to see what else he will achieve outside of the show. So I do want to see that, see see what else he's going to do. But I mean, the other people at the top of this list, like Sarah and Andrew and Ego, like they are really imprinting for me. And, and they're people who I think are so memorable. So maybe it's part of like the age. Maybe if I had been a little older when Will Forte was making his mark, maybe he would have been the person who I remembered more and who I could have named every sketch he'd ever been in the way that I feel like I could for other people of his time. So all that's to say, I just feel like the historical nature of all this is, is like, like analyzing it from the past, like like in Hamilton, you know, when you just think of the legacy of something, I think that plays an interesting role in Ten to Ones. But yeah, Sarah, Sarah and Andrew are like that. That mail and poop sketch was so memorable for me. And then we got an, another great Ten to One from Sarah last night, and I feel like or this week, and I think that's like her sweet spot. But I also don't want her to be pigeonholed into it because I think it's cool to see her elsewhere like at the desk with Colin Jost it's like I feel like that was such a revelation and everyone loved it so again the, how high do you want this to be I I feel like you want to be kind of in the middle of this list 
Yeah, I mean, I I shy away from volume stats a lot on the show. I mean, that's the whole reason the power ranking was invented is because it, otherwise, it just us looking at it purely from one thing. That's why I did percentage and not like gross time because otherwise it would just be like Keenan and you know whoever appears the most, eighty Kate. Um, whereas, yeah, this might be a stat to uh, highlight um, Aristotle, Sarah, Andrew, people like that. But it just like you know shows usage in the show, and that's what we do on this show: talk about numbers and what they tell us. So, yeah, as far as uh, Ego too, I mean, I was kind of surprised to see her up there because she kind of gets put in everything. But she was in six of the last nine ten to one sketches, including the two this season of the Eyes one and the Caribbean Queens one, Baby Monitor, and you know the Don't Stop Believing Bowen sketch. Things like that. Then nine one one call with Simu Liu, and the uh, pastor sketch with Jonathan Majors. So she like does have big roles in them. And that's what I thought this stat would highlight is just like not only appearing in them. I did throw on the screen for the video listeners as well the uh, number of appearances, but just like if you're getting a lot of time in them, you're probably the lead in them. So that's what I wanted to show is like the Angelos or the um, googly eyes. You know <laughs> those type of sketches that like. You are the lead in. So I feel like that definitely shows up here. It tells a story. Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Who do you want to talk about tonight, Nicole? So that's actually a perfect segue into the person that I'm going to talk about. And this, by the way, is our segment where we highlight one person each. Sometimes, you know, X number of people each, but we, we will call it one person each. And it, this is someone who, whether we think they had an amazing week, whether we wish they had a better week, whether... We want to unpack why they were in the middle of the pack. Any reason there, it is not because they were the best or the worst or any sort of like, you know, qualifier like that or subjective anything. It's just something who we're like, we want to talk about this person from a data perspective and we're curious and we think that the other person who we're talking to, you know, that I think Mike will be curious about it. Mike think, thinks I will. And then of course we think everyone in the chat and everybody listening will as well. So I am going to talk about Sarah, and I think that she had such an interesting episode to talk about. And also today, where we we do this every Wednesday, so we're live right now Wednesday, and the midweek promo just dropped today of Sarah and Meg The Stallion, and I feel like that was just great timing off of her her eyeball sketch to have this this other very graphic <laughs> promo come out. So I think she has a lot of momentum, and that's exciting to me. So about her screen time last week, I think, let me, let me pull this up. I'm going to pull up some numbers as I talk. Yeah, Sarah had a really good week. I mean, she, if you look at like just the pure screen time, she of the cast, she's one, two, three, four, five, six, she's seventh. Um, and the only people above her are people who have been there longer than her, who, who have like, I feel like been yeah, just been been there longer and, and taken more time to find where they work on the show. And I just think something about Sarah is she has been so, for someone who I think it, it could be so easy to pigeonhole her and say, oh, she's a 10 to 1 person. Oh, she's just going to do her, you know, graphic stuff or her body horror stuff, as it's called. I think for someone who is so, it feels so easy to do, oh, she, she's the girl on SNL who does that stuff. And that's her, her role and her place. And there are people throughout history who are amazing cast members, but who really are just known for their one thing, whatever it is, whether they're just a master impressionist or they just do like 
you know, one or two impressions that become a big hit, or they just any anything that it is, or or they do master impressionists or like 10 to one quirky people, or I'd even throw in like update anchors who are cast members into that someone who's just really known for having being great at the desk, but leave something to be desired with like, how well, how would they do, you know, in sketches more. And I think what's fascinating with Sarah, my main sort of point is she's someone who can be so, she's so good at something so specific that no one else on the show could be half as good at as her. Although I feel like Molly maybe will come close and I want to see Molly come close. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question about Sarah. Um, yeah, go you brought her up. I, is there anything that you haven't seen from her yet that you want to, or things that you've seen a little bit of that you would like to see more? Great question. Yes, very specifically, I want to see her Bernie Sanders impression on the show. Very specific answer. It's almost like we planned it, which we did not at all. Uh, that was very on the fly. But yes, I absolutely do. I saw Sarah's show live. And afterwards, I talked to her and I said she did her Bernie Sanders impression a, a little bit of it during the show. And I said, that was amazing. I, I need I really hope that makes it to SNL. And she said, I hope so, too. So I don't know that Bernie's making the headlines that he did, you know, last year, a few years ago. But come on, Bernie, make some headlines and then Sarah will do an impression. So very specific answer. But in general, I, I think that I, I want to see her kind of take have a role in news driven uh, sketches or pop culture driven sketches and, and do something where whether she's doing an impression of someone specific or she's just doing character work, kind of satirizing something in culture and it, it, of the moment. I feel like that is something I would love to see from her. But honestly, also on the flip side of that, I think she everything she brings to the show is so refreshing because it's not about that. It's more whether it's like slice of life and absurdist at the same time. And like, you know, an office sketch that's about having your eyeballs replaced, like that intersection is is so cool. And it, it is refreshing. And it kind of takes you out of the news or out of the pop culture stories that are, you know, sometimes all consuming for no reason. So I mean, I love that stupid stuff. It's a big part of my, um, you know, what I think about is all these dumb stories. So I, as much as she's so refreshing the way she is, I, I, I think that'd be really cool to see her a little bit in, in more of that stuff. What about you? Yeah, I was just curious if you like uh, are excited to see her play straight roles sometimes, like, you know, to be an AD or a Cecily, um, you know, not replacement, but just someone that needs to be plugged in and play a little girl or an old lady in a sketch and be surrounded by, you know, crazy people instead of being the crazy person. Because that's kind of, you know, I don't, I mean, this is a cast member that I'm a big fan of, but like, at the same time, I understand criticism is like Leslie Jones, like Leslie does like something so well, sometimes had a harder time or like didn't come through or didn't get cast as much and like playing a straight role. But like, I'm actually like, I just like to see Sarah pop up in like a normal outfit and just do something because I'm like, yeah, like she doesn't have to just have like something crazy going on with her body. But and I'm looking at her big appearances and like, uh, we did a stat a while ago. I, I pulled one together that was like uh, quality appearances um, rather than just like gross appearances. Gross appearances is also something that Sarah does a lot. Um, <laughs> That's a great one. Thank you. Yeah, uh, so true. Is like she uh, when she does appear, she appears for a long time. So it's like, you know, sometimes I'll do average time per appearance, which, you know, kind of unfairly, uh, you know, puts the people who do voice work, you know, into a bad category or things like that. But 
Like, you know, I'm looking at her biggest appearance to date is the mail and testing service, 10 to 1 we mentioned. Her second biggest appearance was the googly eyes one on Saturday. And then, um, you know, we have her two or three, her three update spots are all about three minutes or more. And then the meatballs one is about three minutes. And then the spring flowers sketch with Jake Hall. So that's her, that's her biggest appearances. And so I just want to point that out from a stat point of view with Sarah is that I think she's in a good place for a second year cast member because you want to be the star no matter where it is. So we're talking about 10 to 1 icons or people who do political impressions is like if you're the star of your sketch, you're going to find your audience, I think, pretty easily, especially in this, this day and age where there's something out there for everybody. So great pick. She had a great week. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if she does rise in the power rankings maybe maybe above all else because last year i think she picked up a lot of steam and kind of just like stayed very bottom statistically last year and like finished below pete davidson and i think we were like how is that possible but just like again late night sketches few and far between but when she does you know she's a star so good pick thank you one more note on on her is is again last season there were so many times where our MVP poll. She, I need to say, Sarah was number one in our MVP poll last year. On we we do polls on Instagram and Twitter every week, and she got number one more than anyone else. Double more than doubled the times anyone else did. She performed unbelievably well on the MVP polls. It was amazing to see. I as a big fan of hers, I I love to see that. But her screen time was so you know she she was very much like at the bottom of of the pack and. I think that's fascinating because it's like to work to do so much with, I mean, for a first year cast member, being on the board at all is like, is awesome. Um, But just the way that she maximized that and was so memorable every single time, I think that's an amazing stat to be like, well, my screen, her screen time and her power rankings were low, but she left a mark proportionately, you know, if you kind of do like a, a screen time per MVP, you know, take a ratio there, it's like, she made like 40 times the impression that someone else did. If you take the amount of screen time other people got who weren't leaving that mark week to week. So I just think that's, that's such a cool stat to contrast. And yeah, I'm we're excited gonna for do, her going forward. We're actually going to do a quick uh, stat or award later when we end the show um, in a bit. But yeah, I totally agree. I think it's better to be polarizing and and pop up and be memorable for sure. I mean, John said last week, like, we don't talk, talk enough about Mikey Day. So, like, that was John's pick, and we talked about Mikey Day. And I think it's because the Mikeys and the Keenans, and then, of course, like, Kate, Adie, Cecily, or even Pete, people are, like, naturally going to like newer and fresher things. So, right now, that's Sarah for sure, and I think there's Mukes. Um, but I'm going to move on to my, my pick. Um, excited to pick this person just because... You just never know. I mean, we did a preseason show um, last year looking at the, the new cast and, and all that. And with this person, I'm picking Marcelo. And I was like, stoked to see twice in a row rookie on update. Um, you know, I can look back to see any precedent on that. But I uh, you know, couldn't find much. But I was looking at the first time a rookie gets a lead. And I mean, I feel like historically unless it's a big cast shift like dana carvey phil hartman or even like the middle players with like chris farley and um schneider all like and david spade like 
those like different era shifts. Like SNL has not been too kind to rookies. And so we I think we talked about enough about uh, Michael Longfellow on our other shows last week that we didn't feel a need to talk too much about him on by the numbers. So I want to talk about Marcelo because it might be if you're a rookie, you might go, oh, you know, Michael Longfellow got the spot episode one. It's going to be tough for me to get it right away because, you know, Cecily's going to come back or, you know, people like Punky have been waiting with material to do update and other standups. And then to see Marcelo go up there and do, I was like, I really liked his spot and I thought he was awesome. I liked his voice too a lot. Like Michael Longfellow got a lot of uh, pub on his voice. And uh, also like, you know, he's not a connection, but I like to make connections as like shout out to uh, SNL's birthday in 1975. And George Carlin's first monologue was about baseball. So, uh, yeah. Good, good which is, connection. You know, yeah, which is a bit that, you know, he did. It's on his comedy album, uh, Baseball and Basketball. But, uh, yeah, I just, like, I was, I was thinking, like, Lauren Holt, like, only got one lead her whole season. And that was her update spot. So, you know, SNL gives, SNL takes away. But that took a while for her to get there. Punky really only got, like, when I do my weighted appearances, I think it was just strolling, strolling to the polls on the millennia episode was like really. And, and that's like a little generous of a lead. It's kind of an ensemble with Ego and Keenan and stuff. But and then you look at Sarah and Aristotle, who both debuted an update together, you know, separate segments, but on the same show in the uh, majors Taylor Swift episode with, uh, you know, Laugh and Tosh and Sarah as herself. Angela was before that in the 10 to 1. But I, and also, like, Molly got their first um, lead in this episode. So, like, right away, I'm seeing more, you know, Devin Walker. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him get his first lead. Just, like, get, you know, get that off his back. Because, I, I, I don't know, maybe SNL is being a little more kinder in its old age. And uh, <laughs> not being so hard on the rookies. Because I'm sure to, to get that burden off your back and feel part of the team in any job you do is, like, huge. So that's why I want to bring up Marcelo and yeah. What do you think, Nicole? What, uh, what oh, stands yeah. out for you? Well, first of all, that's a brilliant metaphor or it's not a metaphor because it is literal, but just the idea that you want to contribute to your team at any job and get that off your back. That first moment, that's everyone can relate to that of like when you do, you know, one task at work or you do one big thing that's really helpful to everyone else around you, or that makes you a big asset. It's like, phew, you can kind of, breathe and i think snl is the extreme case of that but i think any team any type of job anything you know sports team anything that's true it's just this like like you need that one moment and then everything is a little easier from there so yeah i, I really hope that we see Devin get that because he the, the rookies are, they're not wasting time on getting those lead roles and he's our last one who needs one so i uh, i hope to see that as well but he's he's been fitting in really well. I think he's becoming kind of a utility player in a way that he, he whenever he's just in a sketch, like in the cold open this past week with the, the iron, you know, bit, I feel like he really blended in perfectly. It was great. But, you know, back to Marcelo, um, he was amazing. Like I, I, I truly was like in awe, uh, again, the baseball. I've suddenly been kind of aware of what's going on with baseball because I know it's a big moment right now. Uh, so I have no choice but to be kind of paying attention. 
and um and it's it's like it just felt so timely and fresh except i know that his sort of comedy around accents it, it, it's something that he has done a lot of work on on his tiktok you can see that so it felt like he took something very of the moment you know with baseball being in its whatever the term is these days playoffs finals championships what is it world series baseball? playoffs World Series playoffs. Thank you. Yeah, well, I don't. I mean, World Series is the end, but MLB playoffs. Right, right. MLB playoffs. There we go. I don't watch any of it, but um, it's like he took something so timely, and he mixed it with something that he has talked about so much in his comedy, and and I just think that's perfect. Like when you can take your own voice and take something you've worked on and and practiced. I mean, all of the way the ways that he was, you know, adjusting his what how he was talking and which accents he was using and flowing so naturally back and forth. It was so skilled and you can tell that was a skill that he had you know worked worked on for a long time and then put it into the a current moment another moment i want to bring bring up that i thought was so impressive there was one moment where he kind of um after he did one bit where he was kind of being very physical going like this he paused and i, th I think he paused for a laugh and he thought he would get a laugh i'd be surprised he didn't get a laugh i thought it totally deserved one and it seemed like the moment that would um but then he he, from my perspective, I thought he paused for a laugh and then he didn't, he, he just kept going. He was like, oh, nobody's laughing. They're, you know, I'm going to keep going. And um, that was, that was great. And I just feel like from, from the, the data, like when, when all eyes are on you on Weekend Update and you are just, it is just your face on the screen, getting that screen time. Like you have, there's so much room because you're playing off of yourself or off of Colin and Che, but there's so much room to like, you know, play for laughs and then have to like time it right and things like that. And, you know, with, with the data, like we can update it. If you're on weekend update, you're in the top. I, I feel like it's very hard to have a weekend update spot and not be in the top. Like, what would you say? I guess the top half of the, of the screen time is he in the top half. He's pretty low, I guess. For, oh, for, for sure. Usual. I mean, average update spot is like between 240 and 315. So he was right in there. Mm -hmm. Right, but just in general for the full, like a full episode of screen time. If you're if you if you're on weekend update, you like you're having a good episode with when all is is considered. So, yeah, he was he was great, and um, I think just he he used his screen time so well, and he owned the camera, and I think he he commanded that. And yeah, I'm curious how he's gonna play when when he gets like 32 seconds in a sketch, and he has to play for laughs. Uh, but then keep on reflecting back and forth to other people in in the sketch and then go back and forth like how how that will play because we haven't seen that from him but um yeah i mean yeah up, upside is we're seeing molly marcello and michael longfellow um yeah we got we got three mics in the cast right now so i gotta say the full name um is to see them play themselves i mean that's like again i mean i don't know if it's more pressure to like introduce yourself i mean i know molly played a fictionalized version of themselves on you know in that sketch but i think it's pretty like it like you know maybe like i said i think that's my take on on just talking about rookies and you know as we go on to the season we won't mention them as much because they'll you know have been there and we'll have more to talk about from a data perspective but you know we have never seen like i mean briefly in the selena gomez monologue but like we never really seen like jaj come out and be himself i feel like we didn't see beck bennett do that a lot like these season sketch players like fall into roles like you know ego bowen you know they've they've done it before but like they're not known for that they're great character actors so 
for we you know SNL hiring these young cast members come from a stand up background coming out being yourself and saying like you know having Colin Jost be like Marcelo Hernandez and you get to like you know slide in in the chair is like all right SNL fans like here's who I am so I think that's pretty interesting because you know and you know Sarah did get that last season and I think she'll continue to do so but and I I, I do want to see Molly and Marcelo um be in sketches though and I don't know if anyone mentioned this, but when they came out and did the gritty in the Manning cast, I thought it was like really funny. They were in the outfits they were uh, like debuted on social media as cast members in. So that was kind of funny. It was yeah. almost like like Bart Simpson in the same outfit every time. Like, yeah. there's Marcelo and Molly. And like, this is only, the only way you know them is from that one social media post. Like, here they are. So but that was yeah. kind of funny um, to see them like that. But uh, yeah. Uh, let's let's move on to um, our patron rankings, and we'll wrap up. Perfect. Okay, so, and I totally agree with that. That was this is a good point. Okay, so first, do you want to present it as what? What did you? What did you um, frame it as? The the patron rankings. An award. Are oh, we I, a, I was just thinking um, of impact player of the week. Yeah, impact player because. That's um, what we try to measure here is like, you know, now, that, especially that we're week to week show on by the numbers is like, you know, who do we want to talk about? What are we doing? What are we talking about? Numbers wise, power ranking, screen time, all these advanced analytics. And with the patron rankings we're doing every week, we have our patrons rank the cast just to kind of get an idea over the season at large, like how we're feeling as like, I mean, our patrons are like some of the most diehard, awesome SNL fans in the universe. So I respect their opinion as a separate metric that is based on opinion and not just like empirical data. So, um, and it's clearly this week, uh, the impact player of the week is Sarah because she was 11th um, statistically and for the like opinion, like the fan vote, she was first and like e an easy first. So it was, interestingly enough, the two cast members that Nicole and I picked, Sarah and Marcelo, both above an eight in our patron ranking. Any comments on this, Nicole? Yeah, so I'm gonna contrast this with our social media audience polling. So basically we're talking about, this is our patrons, and of course you can always join the Saturday Night Network Patreon, um, pa patreon.com slash the SNL Network. Join, so many fun perks, and this is one of them. You get to vote uh, week to week on, you know, where, where you would rank the cast members, but you know, week to week, and then we kind of infuse that as, as data, as, arguably you know empirical data if you will um and we treat that kind of as its own metric so it's really fun anyways just plug for the patreon but so yeah what's really interesting with this is so for the so this is just our patrons and then our social media audience is just on instagram and on twitter so we have we have people you know we have you can vote both one one per person per platform and then that audience had Marcelo first and Sarah second so a little bit of a, of a switch there but pretty much very comparable um, in terms of where where all of these people were were ranked and that's just we have people say their MVP singular of the week and then we pull the top five to talk about whereas this we have our patrons rank every single person so the you know the numbers there are different because we're having people just rank who their number one is whereas here everyone is ranked by everyone. So yeah, I mean the top is 
is very similar to the MVP poll top. Um, not not a great week for the Johnsons, unfortunately. Um, James Austin Johnson and Punky Johnson are second to last and last, respectively, which, you know, there, there are some dirty jokes to be made there, and I'll leave it at that. But it is, yeah, bad week for the Johnsons. And then, it, actually, it's pretty much, it's the same. So our MVP poll and something else that's different is we incorporate the host. So the host is often in the top five, is often in, say, second, third, fourth. That's pretty common. And so the top four here were also in the top five for our MVP poll, which is which is super interesting. Yeah, my, my only comment I was checking with is Sarah, Marcelo, Andrew, and Molly. So like if SNL had, you know, needs uh, some feedback from the diehards, and I know that we don't represent uh, everybody in the world, but, you know, the diehards don't, you know, if we want to move the needle of the show, look, look you know, look here is that that's uh, all rookies and sophomores of the show. So people are excited to see new faces and new takes, some new people on the show. So I like that's that's what stood out to me. Want to wrap up and do some uh, listener questions and call it a night? Sounds perfect. All right. So I got some great questions. Some I want to save till I get a bigger sample size because I think it'll be more interesting data wise. So everybody, you know, that wants some questions, it definitely helps out our show much like the live chat does just because like maybe my favorite thing about this show and also the hardest thing about this show is that we can literally look at so many things from a stats point of view. And sometimes I'll spend two hours on a stat and I'll go, you know what? It wasn't interesting. So I did move on to the next stat. So getting ideas for stats is always like really exciting because it means I have a new little project and then I go find and we look, we talk about it and sometimes we come to like unreal conclusions that I never would have thought. So um, first question came from Twitter and is if this season continues to move away from politics, which cast members airtime do you think will suffer most and which cast members airtime do you think will benefit most? Nicole, I think you should answer that one first. That is a great question. So which cast members will, yeah, damn. I mean, the obvious answer to talk about is someone who just left the show. Kate McKinnon was... I mean, she, well, she did everything, but I think what I, of every every kooky character, she did everything. What I will remember most fondly for Kate always will be her political impressions. I think no one has ever in the history of political impressions infused so much empathy and compassion into them. I feel like she captured like the emotion, even in despicable people, she found their emotion and captured that. And so no one will ever be better than, than Kate in my in my eyes for things like that. But anyway, who will suffer the most to me would be J.A.J. I mean, again, his yeah. his his best episode was his first episode on the show ever. And he played, you know, the president, former president in a cold open. And that was the, the bulk of it. And then he made his splash by flip flopping, you know, Trump, Biden, Trump, Biden. And that's what he's become known for. He's so talented otherwise. But that is. I think there's no question that he would suffer the most. And then who would rise? Definitely Sarah. Like what I was saying, she doesn't really do a lot of the political impressions or even I would say the pop culture moment stuff. Like what, you know, even, but then again, like I feel like any cold open content is not as much something that we'd see Sarah in, whether it's political or not. Because I think there is definitely a overlap with 
the political content and the pop culture of the news trending content. And um, like Bowen, I feel like is, is good at kind of um, being a part of both of those categories. I think there's overlap. So, so Sarah, I think whether it's political or pop cultural, I think she wouldn't be, I think it's not so different, but um, yeah, I think she would probably benefit if it became less political. And then, yeah, I'll just shout out those two. Yeah, I mean, the clear answer is J.A.J. for obvious reasons, um, playing the current and former president uh, with a, you know, high degree of regularity um, in his time on SNL. So, I mean, but I mean, we're going to, like I said earlier in the show, we got a midterm coming up. I mean, I think the November shows um, are going to be right after it. Like, we got we got one more show. I mean, we, we got a show this week. I don't know how political it will be, but then we have a week off and then it's like definitely going to be a political show very beginning of November. So clear answer is JJ. Also, um, shout out to Ken who gave us a question. And also I'd ask Ken is like, you know, what do you define as like less political? Because, you know, these two cold opens weren't so political, you know, like they always are topical. That's for sure. But, you know, we had Trump appear in the cold open um, as you know, J.A.J. playing him. We had the actual clip of Biden in this past one. But I'll, I'll definitely agree that it's less political than, say, season 46 when it's an, uh, um, not a midterm and it's an election year for president. So that's for sure. So, we'll, you know, in two years, in 2024, we're going we're gonna to see, you know, it's going to be the J.A.J. show for sure. And, I, you know, I'm not excited for that, but I'm also excited for him for that because I'm a fan of his. The way the um, 50th anniversary and the election year are going to overlap and be oh that's going to be bizarre vibes yeah i mean it's oh. just and people have said before it's like you know dana carvey play ross perot and george hw bush like are they going to you know try to pull that off with even more modern technology to have jj play too i mean that's assuming that biden or trump will be the nominee but i mean they're definitely going to stay in the news um for a bit so i would say uh bowen would benefit the most um from a less political show just because I don't think that's really his lane. Um, I think it was interesting to see him play a game show host um, in this one, just because I don't know, he has so much charisma and good energy and a sketch that like he can definitely lead one. Um, we talked about Chloe Feynman playing Brittany in those cold opens last year uh, with the, what was it? The reggae Jean page one and like episodes like that where I guess that's going back a little bit now, but Episodes like that look where I definitely are not political, but they can bring on political guests like having Pete walk on as Matt Gates and things like that or having, you know, so I think our, our Cecily comes on as a Republican, you know, politician like this. So, you know, th I think that's a happy medium. So the show being political or not is they'll, they'll infuse it in a good way in the cold open. And of course, we can update. It's a free for all for politics. So I think it's that's definitely true. Bowen. And, we, and if if ken and others are considering this season to be less political clearly bowen is benefiting stat wise um, so let's, let's move on to our last question because it's going to lead to next week and we'll wrap up is just a question about um any implication or stats on who introduces double duty hosts which i think is a pretty niche snl lore thing but like i'm all about that kind of stuff so interesting to look at looked back at double duty hosts and looked at 66 different musical performances 
obviously most of the time it's twice a show um, that they, you know, the musical performance. And out of those 41 were introduced by a cast member. So pretty, pretty routine that, that, that does happen. We've seen in recent times, um, family members like Nick Jonas had Kevin Jonas in- introduced him. Uh, Lizzo had her mom. Uh, Billy Alish had her, both her parents. So things like that, like we saw, which was like, you know, very cute and very like post COVID warm and fuzzy. So I think like, that's like definitely a, uh, implication of that era, especially like young performers like Billy Alish or Lizzo, um, Nick Jonas, people like that, that are kind of like having a big moment on SNL. So as far as predictions, I mean, that's my stat on that. Uh, and it was fun to look back at all those. I mean, also, I love looking back at old SNL for stats, but this show has evolved so much and like what is like really an introduction. So I didn't include ones that had like camera one goes on and it's Ray Charles and then he starts playing the piano like he's talking first. So I consider this to be the traditional like camera two is on somebody and they say, ladies and gentlemen, something, you know, like where Mick Jagger introduced himself in that way. Like the camera just went to Mick Jagger and then he walked over and perform with Jeff Beck or, you know, Justin Timberlake, Chance the Rapper, like they introduced themselves and then Lizzo did. Um, so I consider those as intros. And so, yeah, 41 out of 66 were by a cast member and the rest were guests or the hosts themselves. So, yeah, any predictions as we wrap up, Nicole? Uh, Ooh, either um... implications of a cast member, like, you know, do you think it's a seniority like a Keenan or a Kate? Kate also introduced the other Billy Hours last year. Uh, Chris and Keenan intro, intro the other Nick Jonas. Um, so do you think it has kind of like a, a nod of respect, like they're out the door, or maybe it has to do with the relationship with the host? We had the three women of SNL introduce Harry Styles, which is you know very cool with Kate, A.D. Cecily with the um, Styles episode. So yeah, what do you think it has any implication? And then wrap up by... Who's your pick? Who's going to introduce Megan the Stallion at least once this week? Yeah, there is. I mean, I think the the Billie Eilish episode with Kate. It was just that one felt so obvious because it was Kate's big return. She had a ton of screen time. We did some some. You know, you crunched up some numbers that we talked about of like the duos and like Kate and Billy as a duo that night were all over the place. So it felt really nice and wholesome and was like. I think everybody, even if, you know, whatever you feel about Kate's tenure on the show, she it was, she was such a star that night and it was excited to celebrate her. It felt like just such a such a celebration of Kate in addition to Billy and all the other cast members. So that felt obvious. Um, I see Eric in the chat and I was going to say the same thing. Naked Sarah from the promo introduces Meg. And I think that maybe it just has to be it. SNL has been a little edgier lately than it has in recent years. And I think if they have the technology to blur Sarah's whole body in the promo, who says they can't do it during a live show? So, I mean, do I think it's possible? A hundred percent. I think it would be really innovative and cool. I have certainly never seen something like that on live TV before. Um, The amount of risks involved are astronomical, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot of legal issues. I think that if, if something went wrong, if things, one second glitched. Um, I think that the show could get sued. Absolutely. But I think it could be, it could be cool, you know, to have a blurred out naked person introduce Meg. That'd be great. So I wouldn't, wouldn't rule Sarah out. 
I feel like, um, so, well, something that's been missing that we're going to talk about um, is rap videos. Of course, we haven't had rap videos this year. And so, you know, that leads me to feel like Ego could have a big episode. She and Meg did a rap together when Meg was musical guest two years ago for the, the premiere of 46. And so I feel like they could do something like that again. And um, I hope it's a big night for Ego and I could see her introducing Meg for sure. And then also I could see Bowen. You know, they have a movie together coming out soon-ish. And so that could be cool. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll put those three in the ring. Sarah, Ego, and Bowen. What about you? Sounds good. And I would say from a stat perspective, uh, if you want to host SNL, the be- your best chance is probably um, befriend a double duty host and introduce them because we had Zoe Kravitz and Daniel Kaluuya um, both intro a host, I was, yeah, a double duty host, and then um, host themselves later. So uh, <laughs> does any uh, merit to that? We had Zoe Kravitz introduce uh, Donald Glover, Ch- Childish Gambino, and uh, Daniel Kaluuya introduce uh, the other performance right there. And then they both became future SNL hosts. Um, and yeah, seeing some of the pairings are pretty funny. I mean, we uh, we looked at the some stats on host and musical guest age gaps and found that Brendan Gleeson and Willow were the third biggest gap of all host and musical guests. And like some of the pairings are pretty funny. So seeing like that, like Larry David introduce Ariana Grande and Hillary Clinton introduced Miley Cyrus. Taryn Killam introduced Blake Shelton, like just like in a Whoopi Goldberg introduced Justin Bieber, uh, Tom Hanks and Bruno Mars, like some of those. Like, so if uh, that's my guess is, as a default, is if there's a guest in the building, which I feel like SNL also tries to be a little lighter on double duty hosts, especially their first time, uh, they might lean on some some friends of the show to pop in. Um, so if it's not a family member, I would I would guess it would be that. So kind of like uh, if John Hamm, yeah, who was in the cold open last week, if he was in this cold open, I'd be like, oh, John Hamm will definitely do it. Someone like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I would have said Ego just because she worked with her in the uh, bottom of your face rap, which was with uh, Pete, Chris, and Keenan. So I guess if I was to pick a cast member, I'd pick her. Um, but yeah, always exciting. Those little tiny SNL. Uh, lore is like you know those kind of things because you know i but i i think uh double duty hosts are like on the rise and like we've seen you know a bunch lately and you know multiple a season um so i really think uh we'll have opportunities to see that and it's like it's kind of fun but uh yeah we'll wrap up with that and um what are you hoping to see um with uh meg this week I'm hoping, again, I, I want a more musical episode. I think that John talks a lot about this, and I I disagree that he, um, or I don't disagree, but but we had a very musical theater um, energy era, and perhaps that is fading away. All four of the new hires are stand-ups. Um, you know, not a lot of musical backgrounds, not like musical comedy people per se. So um, I do think we're moving into more of like edgy, you know, risky, daring, like, um, you know, that, that more different kind of vibe. And it's not as much of like a theater kid, you know, kind of thing. Although when Cecily comes back, I I think we'll get more of that. Um, but I'm, I miss that. We, we haven't had like musical sketches and, and for me, fusing those in more makes the show, it it, it changes the tone of the show and it, it gives it, because of course musical performances exist 
as part of the show. But I think when you infuse music into the sketches of the show, um, it just makes that hour and a half like totally different when that's part of it. And so um, I, I think that I'd love to see some pre-tapes that are musical because I, I don't want Meg to like, you know, strain her voice when she also has musical performances to focus on um, that night. So I'm hoping we see at least one incredible rap pre-tape. And I'm very curious to see who's a part of it because a lot of our, our people who usually are not on the show anymore, Pete and Chris dominated uh, rap pre-tapes last year. And so we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see if any of the rookies have some chops there, but that's a big hole that I think we, I, I want to see filled. I miss, I miss that. And I think Meg will, will deliver. So that's my main thing. Um, I'm excited to see her. She has so much charisma and charm and I, um, I'm curious to see her like land hard jokes too. I think she's so good at entertaining and I want to see her like crack jokes, you know, and, and be really like, yeah. And I want to see how she fuses into this new era. I'm, I'm really curious because I think she, she fit in great when she was a musical guest, you know, two years ago. And so that was felt like a whole different show. So we'll see how she fares this time. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, her work with uh, Please Don't Destroy. Um, we didn't talk about them tonight. We'll talk about them some other episode um, as they pop in and out. But, you know, also Megan Thee Stallion, you know, that's a, she's a, she's a young host um, with a young cast. So, you know, to your point about, you know, who she could work with. But, yeah, I, I mean, I loved uh, what they did with, I loved the Lizzo musical pre-tape they did with, uh, she did with Please Don't Destroy last year. And I also loved uh, Zoe Kravitz finding the cat uh, pre-tape with PDD last year. So I think it's a great way to uh, um, someone who's a, a double duty host. I feel like you, you don't become a double duty host unless you have kind of a, a known persona, because otherwise, like, why would you be doing that? Either like you're a musical artist or you're an actor. Um, but if you're doing both, then maybe that means that your personality is large enough that like it can warrant that or, you're popular enough that it's it's wanted um either by nbc or by the fans um when they you know post about it ask who do you want to see like a harry styles or a billy eilish like taylor swift back in the day like people like that like it doesn't matter if they have a personality it's just because they're so popular so megan stallion might fall in the middle of that um but i think we, we're gonna see her play herself pretty often um oh yeah again snl will give her a crutch and say you know your personality is great so just be you which I think was Lizzo um, a lot. I think that worked out a lot for Lizzo. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, I feel like every every double duty, it's it's because uh, it, how, how can you focus on so many different things? I feel, I feel like you have to be yourself for half of it at least. And so um, yeah, and then the you know the ones that that like Ariana Grande when she did the the title sketch and she did like six or seven different musical impressions in one sketch. That's like that is being so many people. That's amazing. But um, I just, I just want to, I feel like she just knows how to put on a fun show and, um, and bring some levity. And I, I, I think this season um, has been mostly that. And I'm curious to, to see that trend continue for a third episode in a row. Yeah. So also with, with double duty, you know, we're going to continue to talk about that in the coming weeks, um, you know, for our next show and we'll, we'll keep on analyzing, keep on discussing so yeah, any any anything else you wanna you wanna mention while we're here? No, let's call it. Sounds good. All right, thank you everybody for hanging out with us. These are always fun. Uh, they always take different turns. So 
Mike, you wanna you wanna plug anything? Uh just uh check out SNL. It's a good show. Eleven thirty <laughs> Saturday. This Saturday. Um in our show, uh every Wednesday, eight thirty. Uh we have some guests coming up that I'm excited about working with. Um so yeah, yeah those two things. Hit me up at SNL Mike Murray on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. Um I'm back now from SNL hibernation. So let's uh let's get it. I really, really hope for any listener's sake that if they have made it this far that they have watched SNL because if you are here and you are not an SNL fan, then kudos to you um, because that would be very cool to, I'm curious what your context would be for all of what we're saying and if it's still interesting. So we're going to um, promote but, the brand though. We got to keep, keep people interested. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's our bottom line uh, here. Bottom line. Yep. So what about you, you Nicole? Follow me, Before we say goodbye. Me personally. Yeah. So, no parting words. You can just follow me at Nicole Robine anywhere, everywhere. And then, of course, follow at the SNL Network everywhere. You know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you give the video a thumbs up. Make sure you click subscribe. Leave a comment. You know, say something. You could leave leave like a statistics emoji. If you just search statistics, there are three emojis that are really fun. So you could just put one in the comments on YouTube if you're here and listening. Um, and subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Just press the buttons. Any buttons always helps us. We really appreciate it. And keep following along. We have so much coverage ahead. We already, I feel like, have done so much this season and we have so much more to go. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.